0: There he goes, the great Hardball Harge, and here we go on another edition of the award-winning Midday with Trey and BK, live until 1 o'clock. We're talking Texas football, as Steve Sarkeesian met with the media yesterday to continue to recap what went wrong at the Cotton Bowl. We'll go around the NFL, talk a little bit about the Monday night game, but also talk about the debacle in San Francisco for Dallas on Sunday night, a little Texans talk, and just some of the big headlines from the national football league we will of course talk some major league baseball there's a birthday today of somebody who i can't stand that we have to talk about and we'll wrap up the show as we always do with a little where are we at in society coming up at twelve fifty or so
1: trey good afternoon Yes, I guess technically it is afternoon now, so a good afternoon to you as well, sir. Are you having a good day so far? Having a good day so far.
0: Busy day, but uh, good busy. Trying to get some more things in motion here for Texas Sports Unfiltered as we continue to grow this
1: bad boy. How about you? How you living? Can't wait to learn about those things. Busy day on this end, too. Made it to the gym this morning. 45-year-old body not feeling great, but I did something. I guess that matters. And then made the early week grocery store run, typically something that I'm doing on Sunday morning, but because I was still in Dallas Sunday morning, had to wait until early week to uh, hit the grocery store up. I got to say, I don't often go to the grocery store for the week's worth of shopping on Tuesday a.m., it was a very pleasant experience. Normally, the grocery store is just rife with people acting like the worst versions of themselves because there's only so much room in the grocery aisles, and everybody's trying to get theirs. It's uh, quite funny to just watch everything play out and just to see the lack of spatial awareness that much of society exhibits, but Tuesday didn't have any of that. I felt like I could have done cartwheels in the produce section and been okay.
0: Lack of spatial awareness, like the Texas defense in a two-minute drill,
1: right? Unfortunately, this last weekend, I didn't necessarily think that was a thing until the Oklahoma game, but now it's a concern. Yeah, I, I refuse to go to the grocery store on weekends. Won't do it saturday or
0: sunday it's just too crowded it's a nightmare i don't like the grocery store even when it's empty but when it gets full or anywhere close to that i just there's nowhere in the world i'd rather be less than in a crowded grocery store
1: yeah because you're all about the what the instacart bit or the favor bit i forget what the uh the heb pickup situation is but that's typically what you like to do correct it
0: depends if it's like non-food items if i just need like paper towels toilet paper all that cleaning supplies then i'll do the curbside and then maybe throw in a couple of food items in there but if i am like oh i'm gonna cook tonight i'd like to see what i'm actually going to buy so i will go but i like dude as much as i love heb it's the best grocery store in the world i i I can't do it it's too crowded especially on weekends but even like weekdays and weeknights it's like dude if there's a randall's there's a target grocery right by where i live now I'm doing that shit because it's just never as insanely packed as the HEB is.
1: I am with you on the things that you need to actually put your eyeballs on to then cook. Because otherwise, I don't trust... Sorry, HEB curbside people. I'm sure you're good people and you uh, you judge correctly for the most part. There's always the chance of getting that one person who doesn't recognize the, the need to stagger how your avocados look. If you want to get three or four avocados, you don't want all the avocados that are ripe right now, you don't want all the avocados that are going to be ripe in three days. There needs to be an incremental process there. And it's also important that you're getting that little stem and the nub of the avocado because that helps with the overall aging process of each avocado too. How do you tell if an avocado is good? you just feel it? Like the, the squishiness of it determines if it's ripe or not? It's squishiness, but it's squishiness long ways. So you squeeze the top and the bottom and the amount of give give, provides a good gauge for where that avocado is with its maturity. But you also have to make sure to turn the avocado. It's a little bit like an apple, like you turn to make sure that it's not really badly bruised up anywhere because that also will ruin the avocado too. That's the type
0: of knowledge you get on this show right here. How to check if an avocado is ripe. We got you
1: covered. Do you know how to check to see if a peach is ripe or not? Is this like an emoji thing? (laughs) No, we're not. uh, This is not code for ass. This is actual... Like a Frederick, Fredericksburg peach. Yeah, if it's on the side of the road, it must be good. Because it says Fredericksburg
0: peaches, which means they clearly got it from Fredericksburg and not just from the local Randall's.
1: Well, if you're talking about peach season, I don't dispute that necessarily. But to, to tell whether a peach is good or not, the feel gives a, a very basic gauge, but you actually have to smell. The peachier that a peach smells, the more ripe it is and ready to eat. That's a thing? Yeah. The here that it smells. Yeah. You know what that's supposed to smell like?
0: You know what peach smells like? Hold on. Let me check the emotion. or the emoji. Nah, not much of a smell there. Let me try the eggplant.
1: Yeah, no, not much. Not much there either. I, I noticed that you didn't stick your nose into the eggplant like you did. <laughs> I... Can I assume that that's because you're a little bit afraid of the eggplant? Yeah, no,
0: not, not yeah. as big of a fan of the eggplant as I am the other fruit emoji. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, before we really dive into the sports, today is a very unspecial birthday. Uh, today is the 41st birthday of Cupid, who is the singer of the very popular, world-renowned dancing anthem, the Cupid Shuffle. Which for me is
1: the Cupid Shuffle?
0: I mean, what the hell is the Cupid Shuffle? You know what the Cupid Shuffle is. Everybody knows what the Cupid Shuffle is.
1: I don't know. Is that like another name for the Macarena or something? It's
0: something like that. I mean, no, it's not another name for the Macarena. It's a different song and it's a different dance, but it's one of those like there's a dance that everybody does to the song. You know, they get it down, down, do your thing, do your thing. To the right, to the right, yeah. to the right, to the right. Yeah. <laughs> One of those songs where they tell you exactly what you need to be doing and just everybody in the world stops what they're doing to listen to this guy tell them exactly how they need to live their life and everyone just follows orders like we always do in this society. That song, or that guy is 41. And for me, like that is one of the worst songs ever made. And we don't need to do a worst song of all time bit, but because I was just at a wedding last weekend... And because mm-hmm. that song is a wedding staple, and there are a few wedding staple songs, right? Like, it doesn't matter how old the couple is it's getting married. It doesn't matter what year they're getting married in or where the wedding is. There are certain songs that will play, whether it's a DJ or a live band, at every single wedding, and the Cupid Shuffle is one of them. And I like. I spend some time on the dance floor. Whenever that song comes on, that is my cue to go get another drink or go sit down or do something else. I cannot stand that shit, dude.
1: I, I like how you go bitter old man with that song. Oh. You're right. There, there are certain songs that I want no part of. I didn't know that was the name of that song, but that's always my cue to get away from the dance floor also. But some of the classic wedding dance music is good it's worth being out there for like the all-time number one for me is shout without question yeah that's a good one love that song yeah
0: everybody gets involved everybody gets excited that's that's one where they kind of tell you what to
1: do but it's it's good it's up down a little bit softer now a little bit softer now you see how low you get there then you raise it back up yeah that's a great one god and it feels like every time
0: you hear it the longer you have to wait before you can get up off the ground you know Maybe it's just the older I'm getting, that shit hurts more. It's like, dude, i I'm not built to be in a catcher squat for this long. Like, can you please tell me that the music is getting a little bit louder so i can
1: I could stand up? Well, get ready because you will eventually arrive at the point where you can't get into the catcher squat anymore. You're either having to take a knee Kaepernick style <laughs> or uh, or just bend further over with your ass in the air to get all the way down. Ugh.
0: yeah, that that one's okay. Uh, And he always tells me it's a brand-new dance. We got a brand-new... It's like, dude, this song came out like 20 years ago. It's not really a brand-new dance. It's like Dippin' Dots cannot be the ice cream of the future anymore because that shit... I mean, the future's here. We're already there right now.
1: Yeah, and Dippin' Dots went bankrupt a few years ago, so hopefully that doesn't mean the future doesn't include ice cream. That'd be a disaster.
0: Trying to think, like, what else... Awful wedding songs. If you want to text in on the code text line, five one two 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 nine three two eight. Cupid Shuffle sucks. Mumbo number five. Don't need to be hearing any Lou Bega at these weddings. What's the other uh, popular dance? Oh, the cha-cha slide. Here's something new. That, that shit ain't new either. That song's even older than the Cupid Shuffle. Stop telling me it's new. I, I, don't tell me how to dance or what I need to do for 10 minutes, please
1: chicken dance also on terrible list is that playing on at weddings oh i don't know is it that's like that's
0: like a roller rink birthday party for a 10 year old where you got to deal with that
1: as you can imagine i don't get invited to many weddings so i'm having to uh, hypothesize here
0: uh you used to get invited to some weddings your wife's pretty cool
1: oh yeah but uh they i'm such a loser that they uh, choose not to invite her too because they run the risk of me showing up
0: yeah, I once heard You uh, you Give Love a Bad Name at a Wedding, and I thought that was a little interesting of a song to play at a wedding. I also heard All My Exes Live in Texas during a wedding, and I'm like, is this the type of atmosphere that we're trying to create here?
1: I can appreciate the irony of those songs because they are good songs. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Highway to Hell, probably not one that should be uh, playing at those weddings.
1: Hell's Bells. yeah another one
0: all right keep those coming in how about this uh oh go ahead yeah well here's a youtube comment we are family by sister sledge that's a good song
1: yeah i don't hate that one too much at the wedding how about this from our guy steve aka cooter from pest wranglers Trey, you may be old enough to remember when the Cotton Eye Joe and the Texas Shotzi were played at every wedding. I remember Cotton Eye Joe. That one still gets some run. I DJed a wedding a few years ago, a country wedding, mind you, and no one had a fucking clue. (laughs) And I just lost the text message, of course. Nice. So, yeah, thank you, Cooter, for uh, sharing that one. Yeah, Cotton Eye Joe. Still gets regular run. I don't know about the other song, though. I don't recognize it based on its name. Yeah, I don't either. All right, keep those coming
0: in. The uh, The worst wedding songs that uh, you're used to hearing at weddings or just the worst songs that could play at a wedding. Yeah, F the Police, probably not uh, the most family-friendly song to be blaring out at a wedding, but a very good song, nonetheless. Yeah,
1: him an Eminem song from early in his
0: career, probably
1: not a good wedding
0: song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like any of the first three or four albums worth of Eminem or Fifty Cent songs, those probably uh, stay at home, or maybe stay for the after party when all the all the kids are in bed. All right, before we get into Texas, let's talk some baseball first. Uh, before we hear from Steve Starkeesian. Trey, what's your confidence level? We've got a couple of game threes in the American League Divisional Series. The Astros play first today. Of course, it was the Rangers who had the early games over the weekend. They uh, have flipped the script for games three and four. Uh, the rangers hoping there won't be a game four the astros will for sure need a game four because that series is tied one-to-one we'll start with the astros i guess then we'll get to the rangers conversation uh game three up in minnesota 307 first pitch it's christian javier for the strohs against Sonny gray for the minnesota twins of course the twins took care of houston in game two uh six to two the final score there carlos correa was awesome on offense and on defense he damn near single-handedly won that game for the twinkies uh they even up the series The good news, I guess, for the Astros, right, you never want to split at home, but the Astros have been awesome on the road all year. They're 51-30 and away from Minute Maid Park. So, you know, Minnesota's thinking, all right, we did what we were supposed to do. We earned the split on the road. But I think the Astros fans and, hell, the Astros players, more importantly, are are very confident that, nah,
1: they're uh, still in a very, very good position here. They should be. There's a reason why Astros fans were clamoring for them to uh, sneak in, or not sneak in, but make... Uh, grab one of the wild card spots so that they could start every series on the road and just continue winning. As a Rangers fan, it's great to see what they've done up to this point, but I'm uh, suffering a, a little bit of PTSD with this season and the history of this franchise. So, you know, in baseball, you lose games. Even in series that you win, uh, you tend to lose games. So if Texas loses today, it's not going to be a complete surprise. would love for them to take care of business here, to – gain a little bit of rest, and also to be able to reset that rotation. But we shall see. I mean, they obviously have the guy that they want on the mound right now in terms of healthy pitchers with Nathan Eovaldi and him having postseason experience and the postseason success and pitching well uh, in the previous rounds in this lineup is a force to be reckoned with maybe only second to the braves in terms of uh, just how lethal it is this year so i'm excited to watch tonight i have not tuned into a ton of baseball this season but this postseason is turning out to be a really exciting one across the board
0: yeah well it has been especially if you are a rangers fan right it helps when your team doesn't lose the rangers are four no in these playoffs but yeah we have gotten some good storylines the wild card round wasn't great i mean you did have a couple of upsets the rangers of course being one of them but you had four sweeps in those series Uh, You at least have a couple of 1-1 ties right now. The Atlanta Braves, what a game last night. Some late-inning heroics. Austin Riley, the go-ahead, two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth, and then the spectacular double play to end it. Michael Harris Jr., the ridiculous catch, crashing into the wall in center field. And then, speaking of Austin Riley, great job backing up the throw into the infield. He was able to scoop it and throw it over to first to double off. Bryce Harper, who was wandering into the abyss on that play. Uh, so at least you have some more intriguing series and the fact that things have been more competitive always helps but yeah I mean postseason baseball is a ton of fun man and there's a chance we get that Texas sized ALCS which would be so much fun for so many different people across the state it'd be great for baseball I mean I think the Astros and Rangers have turned into one of the best rivalries in the sport since the Astros moved to the American League and the fact that both teams are actually good at the same time like When the Astros moved over, it was the Rangers who were great, and the Astros were awful. And obviously the Astros got really, really good, but the Rangers have been awful. And now, yeah, we're a combined three wins away from getting the Rangers and the Astros in a best-of-seven American League championship series for the pennant. That would be pretty spectacular. So, yeah, like you said, if you're a Rangers fan, I mean, you're you're nervous because we're talking about the Rangers in the playoffs, and uh, they perennially choke. And they've been in this spot before where they've had a 2-0 lead, coming back home to Arlington and they weren't able to close it out so I don't think you should assume this thing is over by any stretch but Nathan Ivaldi you said it he's been great in these playoffs he's been great this season he's been great in his playoff career the Rangers have the on-paper pitching advantage tonight we'll see if they can get it done if they don't then it'll be a here we go again feeling I think for a lot of folks and then the Astros Christian Javier up and down season he was pretty strong to end the year uh, but Sonny Gray is Minnesota's best pitcher probably so they feel good in the guy that they've got uh, I think the Astros I mean Jordan Alvarez is just hitting home runs it feels like every single time he steps up to the plate they need more from Breggy. they need more from Tucker those guys are too good to be the non-factors that they've kind of been through the first couple of games of this series but man that Astros lineup is deep they've got the experience they're not scared of playing on the road uh yeah i i would i'd honestly be a little surprised if this series goes back to houston like I, i think the astros will win these next two days and uh find themselves into the american league championship series for the seventh straight year
1: you know what's funny about that is you're probably right that's a good analysis but baseball is one of those sports where the norm and what is the precedent that's been set up to a certain point gets flipped on its head come postseason time yeah watch minnesota figure out a way to win these next two games ultimately i think we see a split with houston having a chance to clinch this series at home here in what four days or so
0: yeah text on the code of text line 512-222-9328 someone says deep throat by cupcake would be a horrible wedding song i i don't know that song but just based on the name of it yeah i, I do believe that you're probably right texter
1: You could have just made those words up, (laughs) attributed them to an artist in a song, and I would just shrug my shoulders because I haven't heard of half the songs that we've talked about in terms of terrible wedding songs.
0: Deep Throat by Cupcake. That's, I guess. Is that the full name of the
1: song, or is Cupcake the name of the artist?
0: (laughs) Yeah, the name of the song is Deep Throat by Cupcake, and it's by the Isley brothers, actually. I think that's it. I don't
1: know. Chubby Checker, Deep throw Bike Cupcake. <laughs> yeah, one of the uh,
0: more underrated songs. That one never made it out of the uh, the Motown studios, but that's all right. Okay, before we uh, shift gears and get into some Texas football, because Steve Sarkeesian did speak yesterday, and we've got uh, a few different cuts of Sark continuing to break down what went wrong for the Longhorns against the Sooners this past weekend and also start to turn the page and talk about the uh, second half of the season, which, of course, starts next Saturday for the Texas Longhorns. Let's give some love to some of our great sponsors. How about a recorded spot first from our friends at AV Consultations?
2: Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678. We're on the web at avconsultations.com
0: like the uh, NFL film-style music that's going on in the background behind that spot. And yeah, Tom's right. Size matters. You need a bigger TV screen. So make it happen. Just call this number and use the promo code MAN, and you'll get a bottle shipped to uh, no, now we're on. Now we're on to different size stuff. AV Consultations, they can hook you up with a TV setup that you've always dreamed of. Shout-out to them. And shout-out to our friends at Great Blue Heron Furniture. Love these folks. A custom leather furniture company that started in 1991. Longhorn owned. Most of the manufacturing is done right here in the great state of Texas. They focus on heavy leathers, hides, and fabrics ranging from traditional western to modern farmhouses. This stuff is gorgeous. And I'm telling you, you cannot find, and you will not find, more stylish, more comfortable. After all, when you're sitting in a chair or on a couch, you want it to be comfortable. That matters, too you're not going to find more comfortable or more well-built furniture anywhere in the world than you will at greatblueheronfurniture.com. Click the link in the video description below if you're watching on YouTube, and it will take you directly to our Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. And if you use the promo code HOOKEM at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your purchase at Great Blue Heron Furniture. I'm telling you, amazing-looking furniture that's going to last you for decades, not years, decades, decades you got to go to greatblueheronfurniture.com. All right, let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian. We'll start with his opening statement from yesterday. He, he basically did our entire show in like a minute and a half talking about just everything that went wrong for Texas this past weekend.
2: The turnovers were a factor, not, not necessarily because of the points that came off of it. I thought our defense did a great job of minimizing three turnovers to only seven points. But those are momentum plays, right? They, they create momentum for you uh, when you can generate them. And so three to nothing in turnovers was an issue. Um, the nine penalties were an issue because that was, that's out of character for us. You know, I think we we're averaging just about four penalties a game. And, and to have nine in the game, uh, the pre-snap penalties uh, were an issue. Um, obviously, the unsportsmanlike conduct after the block punt. Uh, you know, roughing the punter, uh, which in turn they end up scoring on that drive. So those were those were issues in the game. Um, you know, three red zone trips for us to to only come out of those those three trips with three points. Uh, quite frankly, is probably the the biggest deciding factor in the game. Uh, you, know, and, you know, because you know our ability to move the ball wasn't in question, but our ability to to put the ball in the end zone was. Um, and then conversely, they have six trips into the red area, and they score 34 points. Uh, so if you just look at it that way and do the math, um, that, that was an issue. Um, obviously, the end of the half and end of the game defense, you know, our inability to get stops there uh, were, were issues in the game. You know, five sacks, uh, that came a variety of ways, you know, putting us behind the chains offensively were hurt. Uh, And then conversely, not having very good rush lanes on our end to allow uh, their quarterback to move in the pocket, move up in the pocket, keep his vision was a factor as well.
0: Yep. So he hit the nail on the head, right? Turnovers, bad penalties. O-line didn't get the job done. The D-line lost discipline. The red zone struggles that probably belonged first. The two-minute defense. I mean, all that stuff. Like, it was a number of different things. It wasn't just one thing that you could point to that hurt Texas on Saturday. It was a bunch of different things, some of which we had seen in the first five games, but most of them were kind of new. But all of them combined were the reason why Texas came up short at the Cotton Bowl.
1: I don't know if I feel better or worse that it was, in a way, a complete team failure, BK. Because on the one hand, that means it's... uh, smaller problems i realized there were some bigger problems too but smaller problems all adding up to create a bigger issue versus one group getting gouged over and over again like the offense wasn't terrible throughout the afternoon on saturday they picked up more than 300 yards passing jonathan brooks went over 100 yards rushing there were just uh specific situations where they failed the most glaring example is that first and goal from the one or two where they had four cracks at it and unfortunately never made it into the end zone. Steve Sarkeesian having some weird sense of urgency near the end of the game and not trying to bleed more clock before ultimately settling on a field goal where I would have been okay with him trying to go for it on that fourth down play, knowing that the defense had been a bit of a sieve throughout the afternoon. And the defense, while I do understand his rationale in giving them the benefit of the doubt and making one more stop because they've shown a sort of resiliency this year, the defense failed far too often. And the defensive line was not the group of game breakers that I predicted that they would be in pregame on Saturday, live from the State Fair, uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered, just outside of the old mill. And then the linebackers were Terrible on saturday if there was a group that deserves more blame in terms of position groups than any other it probably is the linebacking core because you know what to expect out of Jalen ford that was his worst game as a starter for the texas longhorns david benda was a guy that was targeted by this oklahoma offensive coaching staff and rightly so even though he had played better throughout the course of the 2023 season there were still some questions surrounding him i don't remember. Uh, Maurice Blackwell in there and if there's a saving grace for the linebacking core it is Anthony Hill the true freshman uh, really making his presence felt getting the sack on running Dylan Gabriel out of bounds at one point but uh, he was either the leader or one of the leaders and tackles for this football team but two other guys that you needed to show up especially because Oklahoma wanted to attack the middle of the field through the passing attack but also Dylan Gabriel running the football at times they were absentees unfortunately
0: yeah anthony hill had eight tackles which was second on the team had a sack had one and a half tfls he he fared pretty well in his uh, first texas ou ball game and hopefully we see more anthony hill in the second half of the season right sark did touch on that a little bit where yeah this bye week i got a chance to get a look at some of our younger guys and see if they can get more playing time moving forward and i think anthony hill deserves more playing time hell he's 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 very much in the rotation right now he plays a decent amount but that guy is too good to keep on the sidelines he is a special special player yeah jalen ford really struggled and i think i think there was a coaching problem a little bit for why jalen ford struggled he didn't leave the field dude Mm. like i get it you want your best players on the field a lot but that guy played every single snap he and Jade Barron were on the field for every single snap and that's like, it just feels like you got to find a way to rotate every once in a while to take those guys out against a team that goes as fast as Oklahoma does, just to make sure that they're fresh in the biggest spots in the game.
1: Yeah. And look, Jalen Ford has led this defense in percentage of plays on the field. It was something around 75% last I checked. And like second place wasn't even close. So you expect him to be on the field more than everyone else but maybe it was a bit excessive I don't even remember looking at time of possession and if there was that great of a disparity there Uh, like you said Oklahoma's offense did find successes here and there but they were also moving quickly so I don't feel like they were grinding drives out at all throughout the afternoon
0: no no Texas won the time of possession battle not substantially but they did but yeah I mean Jalen Ford you said what was playing 75% of snaps going into that game well he played 100% of the snaps in that game so that's that's a little different i mean he, he he didn't play well enough like there's no doubt about that and i think he would tell you that he needed to be better um but yeah I, I i think maybe that contributed to why he struggled so much late in that game just he never got a chance to sit for a single play which that just doesn't feel like a good recipe for anybody i know it wasn't that hot but still that game that energy all that goes into it feels like there's a snap or two you could find a way to give a guy a rest you
1: No. Know? You know, I, look, you're right about that. But we also discussed how there weren't many positions that you didn't feel good about the depth behind who the starters are. Linebacker is one of those specifics. Uh, positions, more specifically Jalen Ford's position. I don't, I don't know who would go in for Jalen Ford. Maybe it's Blackwell. Maybe you see Hill uh, try that other side. Or maybe it's Benda who slides over there. But they need to find a solution. Another one of those positions, unfortunately, that uh, we were uncertain of what the backup would look like, especially with Cole Hudson still out with that knee injury, was the center spot. And so, unfortunately, when we saw the injury there, uh, that had a detrimental effect on this Texas offensive line because... Uh, he, Jake majors is obviously the guy who's making all the calls. He's helping the younger guys understand what they need to do. And he is instrumental to the successes of this offensive line over the last few years. When he went out, there was a palpable difference uh, difference in what that old line looked like both run blocking, but maybe more specifically pass blocking Quinn were under pressure for a lot of the afternoon after that.
0: Yeah. The injuries were a huge factor in this game and Oklahoma had some guys down to, I, I think. Um, but like Jatavion Sanders clearly wasn't hundred percent. We knew that going in. And then you saw the first play of the game where he couldn't block the guy in front of Xavier Worthy. And it's like, Oh dude, this guy can barely move. He's not the same JT Sanders, Ryan Watts being out at corner, the Texas secondary got picked apart a decent amount in that game. He was missed. And yeah, Jake majors, not only getting hurt, but getting hurt on the second possession of that game. And like you yeah. said, Cole Hudson, the normal backup center, he's unavailable. So you go to your third string center, you know, I'll give Connor Robertson some credit. Like redshirt freshman, his first real action, he was he was okay, but he's not three year starter. Jake Majors, like that's an impossible spot against that defense, uh, which was a top ten defense in the country going in. In that environment, to expect him to play ridiculously well, I mean that's a pipe dream right there. So him being out definitely hurt too. Yeah, just a couple of guys. I mean, we've raved about Texas's depth. So you would have hoped that uh, the guys who needed to step up could have played a little bit better, but uh, that was definitely a factor in this game on Saturday. And then all the things that Sark talked about, Trey, like there were a lot of bad from Saturday, but a lot of those things were one-offs. Like that was far and away the most penalties Texas has had in a game this season. I I don't think they're all of a sudden going to become a super undisciplined team that commits stupid penalties over and over again. They had two offensive turnovers through the first five games. They had two on the first two drives against OU. Like, I don't think that's going to all of a sudden start happening where they just give the football away at will. Uh, Two-minute defense hasn't been a huge issue. Like, I feel like that can be correctable. But there is one thing that has been an issue all season long, and that's the red zone offense. And we said it. Everyone with a brain has said it. Like, shit, if you play a close game, settling for three or not settling for anything – instead of getting into the end zone, is going to cost you. And sure enough, this is the first close game Texas played, and them not being able to find a way to make anything happen in the red zone is what cost them. I mean, if they just kick field goals on their three drives, they win this game. But They only got three total points in their three red zone trips, and as Sark said, OU had 34. All 34 of OU's points came in the red zone. Four touchdowns and two field goals. That was the difference. I'm going to take you on a trip down memory lane because the ghost of Tom Herman invaded Steve Sarkeesian and has invaded him with this red zone crap all year long. I believe this is after the Baylor game or the Kansas game. I can't remember which one, but this is a previous cut, and I kept this for a reason, thinking I might need to play this again on on one of our shows. Sark was asked about how Texas was statistically one of the worst red zone offenses in the country. As You're dancing to something.
1: No, my back's a little
0: bit tight right now. My apologies. I was like, I haven't even started playing the Sark yet. Here's Sark a couple of weeks ago, basically shutting down a question about Texas's red zone struggles.
2: An old friend of mine said, stats are like something. Once you get them, you can do anything with them. I don't really care about stats. We keep winning. Um, We got to continue to execute better when we're down there. But, hey, I, I, I I try not to get caught up in what stats say.
1: Okay. I don't completely disagree with what he said right there. It's uh There's a Mark Twain quote that I think sums it up quite nicely, too. There's three types of lies, lies, damned lies, and statistics. But sometimes statistics do help to tell the story. And, yeah, you could point to some easy drops earlier in the year that would have been walk-in touchdowns that were red zone possessions that would have flipped those numbers. But the reality is, BK, six games into the season, so halfway into – or halfway through the regular season, the Texas football team sucks in the red zone. For you, Steve Sarkeesian, a guy who has preached personal accountability and looking in the mirror and seeing what you need to do differently in order to help this team to uh, team to achieve success, you failed miserably on Saturday. And unfortunately, you failed throughout the course of the first six games of the season with the exception of the Baylor game, I believe, where they were actually better than what the percentages say otherwise.
0: Texas entered Saturday's game as the 109th ranked team in the country in terms of red zone touchdown percentage. Uh, Because they scored zero touchdowns in three red zone trips, they are now down to 122nd in the country in that stat. And that wasn't the only example. There was another instance where Sark was asked about red zone offense, and he basically just shut down the question altogether. He didn't even give as much of an answer as he gave in what I just played you. So we had a different Sark yesterday speaking with the media because, hey, you keep winning games. It's fine. I say it all the time. I don't give a. Sh- you know what? What the coach says at press conferences if the team wins, right? Bill Belichick, Greg Popovich, those guys don't say anything ever, but they've won so much. It's like, hey, if you're a fan of their team, who cares? Just coach. I don't, whatever. Sark, 5 and 0, oh, no problem. The red zone offense. Okay, it's not great, but you keep winning games, and you're winning these games by double digits, so it doesn't even matter what happens in the red zone. But all of a sudden, you lose, and you get that slice of humble pie served, and you got to change your stance. So I'll give Sark a little bit of credit because he at least was willing to field questions and give real answers about fixing the red zone offense. Take a listen.
2: First aspect of it is you know, we've already watched every series and every snap we've had all year in the red zone. Uh, We watched it in sequence of how it actually has occurred in game. We watched it by concept, the different concepts that we're running. Uh, And then ultimately it's, okay, what are we doing to make sure that we're putting our players in the best position to be successful? Um, Sometimes a, a, a new style of scheme is in their best interest predicated on what we're getting. Sometimes it's doing what they know really well so that they have answers to the, whatever look they could get from a defensive perspective. So there's a lot of levels to that. Then it's looking at the play caller and the sequencing of how I'm calling those plays. Uh, but we're drilling down on it to every level. This what the bye week is, is really good for. You have more time to do that type of stuff. Um, and I'm, I feel very comfortable in the fact that we'll have, a, we'll have a good plan in the second half of the season for the players. Um, because like I just told the staff, we're moving the ball too well offensively right now not to have more points on the board and so we need to be we need to be more effective in the red area for sure
0: he's not wrong I mean this Texas offense could be one of the best scoring offenses in the country if they could just punch the ball into the end zone once they get into the red zone but the red zone is the dead zone right now for Texas and I appreciate Sark I, w- I wish he had that mindset earlier like there was no off week so he didn't have this much time to correct the issues but I wish he was thinking more of, nah, I should probably fix our red zone stuff before it costs us a game instead of, oh, it costing you a game, and oh, now I got to reevaluate and rewatch all this stuff and figure it out. That felt pretty Tom Herman, but hopefully we see the anti-Tom Herman where Sark is a little bit less stubborn and is willing
1: to do things a little bit differently coming out of the box tom herman and dare i say mac brown specifically talking about him refusing to acknowledge a change that needs to be made until after losing to oklahoma in the cotton bowl Uh. like that was the song and dance for mac for much of the early 2000s oftentimes involved playing a younger guy who very clearly needed more touches cedric benson's probably the best example of that but it's a bad habit to fall into And I get that you need to be able to stay the course at times, even in the face of intense criticism. And if there has been an intense criticism of this football team through the first five games, it was the red zone offense. And then also the third down offense. Well, it just felt like over the last few weeks they were starting to get one or the other more correct. Even if you do want to punch the ball into the end zone, like you have to recognize in the moment that you can't do that three straight times. I realized one of those was a pitch You need to try and mix things up and show different looks you can still assert your will while also making it uh not making it as easy for your opponent to match wits in a given situation and unfortunately that's what happened on three of the four of those plays called inside the two yard line on saturday well let's hear more from sark because he was asked specifically about that sequence
0: right what we just played was about the red zone offense in general because that wasn't the only drive where Texas came up empty-handed in the red area. But a little Q&A with Kirk Bowles of the Austin American-Statesman back and forth about the sequence where you talked about Texas had first and goal from the one. Not the two, Trey. You keep saying one or two. It was the one. First and goal from the one-yard line. Texas couldn't punch it in in four tries. Here's the back and forth about that string of plays. Four tries from the one. That sucked. It uh, yeah. <laughs> is that- <laughs> Do you see that as a a toughness issue?
2: And did you just felt like you should have been more creative there? Uh, No, I don't think it was toughness at all. Um, You know, the the, the first down play, their their kid makes a a really nice play. He kind of shoots the gap and and gets into Jonathan Brooks' legs. Uh, The second down call... Um, that was the sequencing of those two calls, and I knew I was going to go with there. Um, and it, the edge, just we just don't get enough of the edge, and we get the ball down to the one again. Quite frankly, if I could do it all over again, I would have changed the third down call. Um, I might have ran what I ran on fourth down, on third down, um, which... I don't know if that's creative enough or not, but I probably would have done that on third down and then gone to something a little bit different on fourth down. So, uh, you know, I' call it stubborn, whatever it was. You know, I went back to the first down call on third down and, and obviously not effective enough. And I'd love for us to execute it a little bit better than we did, but um, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. And so, um, but yeah, it sucked.
0: It sucked. He's not wrong. I mean, I, I appreciate the acknowledgement of him screwing up because he screwed that up um and yeah look i wish he could go back in time too and, and change up the play calling sequence there uh hopefully we don't see that again i mean it's stubborn it was stupid and it was a huge problem and when you lose the game by four you can't help but think that oh a touchdown in that situation would have uh, been the difference
1: Oh, and if we really want to uh, make this process as simple as possible, we can do what Kevin suggested on the post-game show, what I talked about yesterday, what others have talked about too. Do the brotherly shove until that play is no longer allowed. When you've got a yard to go, you're worried about Quinn Ewers, stick Malik Murphy in there, stick Savion Red in there, find another willing participant for that play. It could probably be, well, maybe not Jatavian Sanders on Saturday, but a Gunnar Helm or somebody like that. That is what makes that set of plays idiot proof by doing something that is hard to stop more than 90% of the time for most competent football teams you
0: you don't even have to do that I mean yeah I'm with you I want them to do that but dude if you just put Malik Murphy under center in a normal QB sneak you don't need guys pushing him in (laughs) he's 6'6 240 like he's falling forward dude I mean yeah put guys behind him to push him in believe me I agree but like anything would have been better than putting two defensive players on the field we're Where's Quinn Ewers? Put him in at cornerback against Houston. Let's see him play defense. Let's see Jonathan Brooks play safety. Why not? Let's just do that shit three plays in a row and see how it goes. Goodness gracious.
1: Everybody was laughing when Byron Murphy caught that touchdown pass against Wyoming. (laughs) It's so funny. Texas is so talented. The problem with that is it gave this false sense of belief that that was a play worth running against decent competition. It wasn't. You can, you can do it once and hell you can even do it
0: twice. You cannot do that three times in a row. What about the red cat? Has anyone stopped the red cat or code red or whatever the hell we're calling it? Like that worked against OU and that's worked against yeah, everybody. Especially with,
1: them, especially with them making the, uh, the past part of that yeah. play uh, something that you have to pay attention to. I agree. I mean, there were, there were so many better options than what they did and it's, something that we'll get to harp on until these two teams hopefully play again in early December. Yeah, so they got to fix the red zone. To me, that is the thing that
0: I'm most concerned about leaving Saturday because that's been a season-long issue. The other stuff, eh, it sucks, cost you the game. You've got to get it figured out. But that's the one recurring problem that we've seen from this offense this year to where it's like, okay, we have now played half of the games and we're still talking about that. 122nd in the country really with the dudes that we have with this supposed offensive genius and i I do think sark is a great offensive mind but like with with him and uh, a guy who was a heisman candidate in yours and jonathan brooks who's top five in the country in rushing and these receivers you can't score you can't get into the end zone six games and two of those are against rice and wyoming hell i should say two of those are against rice and baylor because i think wyoming would kick baylor's ass right now if they played that was
1: this year yeah. yeah they
0: beat fresno state they're gonna win the mountain west they're gonna win nine or ten games this season i heard uh brando and tillman on the call oh, of that Wy- <laughs> that wyoming fresno oh, game God. i wonder if we'll have them because we got a fox game at houston next week three o'clock that could be a brando tillman special
1: i don't know yet I've thought, about, I've thought about trying to get brando on this channel I guess I shouldn't say this out loud, but fuck it. He's not going to join us anyhow. I thought about getting Brando on this channel, on this show, BK, specifically so I could start the interview off like that Boston cat did a few years ago when Rick Bettino was joining some local sports radio show in Beantown, and that's just to tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> that, is, that is what I would do if Tim Brando joined us. Hey, Tim, thank you so much for the time. You fucking suck. You're terrible at your job, and you clearly suffer – a bias against the Texas Longhorns, have a nice life, pal. Fuck off, and then hang up on him.
0: Mm. I'd love to see that. I'm going to reach out to Brando and see if we can get him on the...
1: You get him on, I'm going to do something like that, so just be ready for it. Yeah, I I, I feel like you would hope he'd pull a Tom,
0: excuse me, a Thom Brenneman or a a Bob Huggins, where he just says something on a radio or TV mic that gets (laughs) him canceled.
1: He calls me the N-word or starts uh starts using a uh, an LGBTQ slur yeah. towards me. That's probably it's more possible. likely
0: than the N-word, I I would think.
1: Well, he is he is Brando, so we are already know that he's not paying attention to what's directly in front of him.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is true. So we'll see we'll see about if we get that guy. But uh, Brando is like, oh, if Wyoming had its quarterback against Texas, they could be undefeated right now.
1: It's like, uh, okay, CB, I don't normally brag when people blocked me on twitter either i actually think it's a a sign that you're not worth the conversation but brando is a piece of shit he blocked me too and i have no issues (laughs) with that what about ricky williams how do you feel about him that one's disappointing that one uh makes me cry myself to sleep once or twice a month a month i feel like it's a week isn't it well it used to be weekly but time heals wounds yeah heals wounds some wounds not that one Thanks for that, Socrates. All
0: right, some love to some sponsors. Who else do we need? Oh, Covert B Cave, of course. Oh, man, yesterday was sad. <laughs> I had to give back my loaner to Covert B Cave. They hooked it up big time. They love us. We love them. They're family. They're part of our TSU family. They can be part of your family, too. They they will treat you like family every time you walk in there. So if you're looking for a newer pre-owned car, truck, or SUV, look no further than Covert B Cave, 42 acres out in the beautiful central Texas Hill Country. It's ridiculous how many cars and trucks and SUVs they have out there. Great prices, but the service. That's what separates the Covert family. That's why they've been in business since 1909. Fantastic people who are going to take care of you all of the time. Plus, if something's wrong with your current car, they've got 86 service bays out at Covert B Cave. So you're not going to be like, ah, shoot, i got to wait at this Valvoline place for 30 minutes while someone checks my car. No, they're going to get you in. They're going to get you out just like that anything car related you got to go see our friends at covert b cave and of course they've got covert dealerships all over central texas they've got covert ford and lincoln they've got covert chevy they're all over austin and hutto and central texas as a whole go see our friends out at covert many thanks to them for their sponsorship and some love to olipop I still, like, dude, you're, you're not getting your Ollipop, man. I'm going to drink it
1: before you end up getting this. I offered That's it to you on a Saturday. Saturday. a mistake. Damn, to- you did not offer it to me on Saturday. You said I've got Olipop in my car, but I know you wouldn't be able to take it into the game with you. And now you're just lying to the people. <laughs> no, I,
0: trying to, I, try I to said-
1: hog this Ollipop for yourself, sir. No, and then there was another time that weekend where you're
0: like, I'll just get that stuff from you later. That,
1: that happened. No, <laughs> yes, it did. fabrication. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no way. Never my fault. Always your fault. <laughs> you're not getting it. No, I still got it. I got to go to the store buy my own. And uh, Chip's a fan. Bucky's a fan. I'm a fan. A lot of you people out there have been texting and tweeting saying that you're a fan as well. This stuff is legit. It's great tasting soda that's actually good for you. It, it really is amazing what the folks at Ollipop have been able to pull off. I don't know how the hell they do it. I don't know the science behind it. I just know that I enjoy drinking it, and it actually helps with my digestive health with the crap that I eat. I really need it. So, Olipop is the best. Pick it up. HEB, Target, Specs. I don't have it at Specs. There's no alcohol in there. HEB, Target, Whole Foods, Walmart, Costco, wherever you buy your groceries, you can buy Olipop. If you go to Specs, you can get your Altstad beer. But, Olipop's going to be at uh, all of those grocery stores that I talked about. All right, we'll have to save our NFL roundup for. Uh, tomorrow this is an off week we'll have plenty of time to hit some other random happenings in the sports world over the next few
1: days you keep pushing off talking about those dallas cowboys i give you credit there way to uh way to milk that one uh, to milk. what do you Another know oh, they're
0: getting set to play the chargers on monday i guess we got to talk about that one instead huh the Moore <laughs> revenge game yeah that's
1: right yeah shoot we'll, we'll get
0: into all that i don't know what the hell <laughs> the cowboys are gonna do
1: Congratulations! You guys may be uh, playing one of the uh, handful of head coaches who's a worse game day manager than Mike McCarthy is tonight. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be a a matchup of who can one
0: down each other the most in that game (laughs) on Monday night. All right, let's uh, let's go recorded spot today for our friends at Pest Wranglers.
2: Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone could see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it kind of hurt. Pest Wranglers,
1: 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com.
0: Where are we at in society today?
1: That's to you by Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. It is your daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism and has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And guess what? Today is at least in part one of those days, BK, because I have a story from the new york post about the woke mob trying to cancel something that is extremely popular in modern times zumba and i'm completely on board the uh the zumba vacuum no those uh unfortunately those robot vacuums are still going to continue <laughs> to be a- <laughs> oh that's the Roomba. the zumba is the old white lady dance deal the zumba oh. glasses you know what
0: i'm talking about
1: Well, this is definitely going to affect your local Zumba class because the Washington Post is now taking aim at pumpkin spice season. That's right. Are you a pumpkin spice guy? I know you're not a coffee guy. Do you like pumpkin spice flavored things, which is way too popular this time of year? No. What else is there besides coffee? everything dude there's pumpkin spice oreos there's pumpkin spice cereals like if it's something that has a variety of types of flavors there's probably a pumpkin spice flavor yeah no i feel like i don't indulge in any of that i don't even know if i like
0: it or not like i don't know if i've ever tried anything pumpkin spice to where i could give a strong opinion about how i
1: feel of it i actually don't mind the pumpkin flavor but i just think it has completely jumped the shark and that's something that happened maybe five or so years ago my wife actually makes a delicious Pumpkin chocolate chip cookie that I highly recommend, but uh, most of you people will never have the opportunity to taste. My I highly wife's.
0: recommend. What is it? Oh. Hmm. Most of us, huh? Not everyone. You're saying some people out there will have the
1: opportunity to taste your wife's cookies. Not going forward, but in the past, they might have had the opportunity. Interesting. What now, about, no. What about the cake? What's the cake? She make, a good,
0: she make a good cake.
1: What does the cake stand for?
0: Uh, What do you mean, what does the cake stand for? You know, you know what a cake what's the, is. what's
1: the innuendo for cake is my question. Ah, the rear end. Oh, well, you definitely don't get to uh to taste my wife's cake. <laughs> okay. That cake's
0: me and me alone. Ah, yes. En- enjoy that, my friend.
1: <laughs> the report from the Washington Post is titled. <laughs> <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> oh, man. That's a new low on this show for me. Uh, The Washington Post has a new report titled Fall's Favorite Spice Blend has a Violent History, and it examines the Dutch 1621 invasion of the Banda Islands located in modern-day Indonesia. Quote, thousands were killed, others enslaved, and many who fled to the mountains were starved out from this piece from last week on October 6th. The Dutch company was later accused of carrying out what some described as the first instance of corporate genocide. The report actually comes from the University of Texas at Austin with a historian and professor at UT named Adam Clulow, serving as one of the uh, the primary uh, authors on this report. And the kicker on this uh, unfortunate genocide, corporate genocide, according to this report, is that it was all for nutmeg. The report notes that nutmeg is one of three key spices in the pumpkin spice blend and, quote, grew nowhere else in the world during the 17th century. A lot of commodities have terrible histories. There's sugar and tobacco to think about. But nutmeg, now used in pumpkin spice, has the most compressed Terrible history. Thousands were killed. So people used to kill
0: each other for nut, to get their nut. Do I have that right?
1: To get that that nutmeg.
0: Mm. So we're trying to cancel pumpkin spice because one of the ingredients in pumpkin spice was once obtained by people killing other people.
1: That's right. And because we're talking about the 17th century, BK, there were all sorts of magical attributes that were bestowed upon nutmeg. For instance, people believed its medicinal benefits included that it could cure the pl- uh, plague, sharpen memory, and calm the mind, as well as make people, quote, more beautiful. Hmm. Is that what people are doing,
0: promoting pumpkin
1: spice these days?
0: I feel like people just enjoy it because it tastes good.
1: Oh, yeah, people enjoy it because it's a uh, it's a fun, delicious way to consume way too much liquid sugar.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize the nutmeg was that big of a deal where people are killing each other for it. So what, now, is this, th- this going to work? There's no way this is going to work. This guy's got no shot. And I'm also embarrassed to be affiliated with this dude who works at the university I graduated from. Go! This is what, where our research money is going. What starts here changes the world, really. What starts here is bullshit. What starts
1: here what starts here, here cancels pumpkin spice season and I'm here for it oh, damn it my god Come you're on. expressing shame at this uh this dude Clulo Clulo good job way to use your research powers for good by trying to get pumpkin spice season canceled it is ridiculous it has overtaken Grocery stores and coffee shops across the country for more than a half decade now. It's time this bullshit comes to an end. Thank you, Cluelo, for having the guts to call out Nutmeg for what it is. And that is a genocidal spice. Cluelo is clueless, man.
0: Is this about to become Eyes of Texas Part 2, where this just is a huge university issue of people taking sides and what to believe in? We're going to have to see some of the
1: athletes protesting because of uh,
0: pumpkin spice and
1: Nutmeg. Now, I do have to exonerate Clulo here because Clulo was just pointing out the history of nutmeg. He does say in this Washington Post report where the Washington Post is clearly operating on an agenda and they found somebody who's willing to talk about the history of something and say, oh, look, this has a negative history, too. Time to cancel that. Why don't we cancel the whole world while we're at it? Because every aspect of the world uh, has some sort of uh, negative Uh, moment from its past clulo does say that today netmeg has no negative connotation so clulo is not suggesting that we cancel pumpkin spice season and all of a sudden i have an issue with clulo (laughs) his opinion to things
0: You, you just praised this guy and now you found out that he's on my side and he's right right side of history pk strikes again wrong side of history elling has made another appearance here you're off
1: on this one pal Now, a nutritionist and owner of Body Designs named Mary Sabat did have something to add about nutmeg, that it's a versatile spice that adds a warm, nutty flavor to both sweet and savory dishes. She also revealed that one benefit of nutmeg is that it is rich in antioxidants, quote, that can help combat oxidative stress and imbalance between the production and accumulation of oxygen-reactive species in cells and tissues. So, nutmeg is actually good for you and once again nutmeg and pumpkin spice not getting canceled by this mm. washington post report there you go you could still get other
0: flavors of coffee right it's not like they just stop selling everything else on the menu and replace it with pumpkin spice right it's just like an addition it's like a seasonal bit
1: well i could see if starbucks were to catch wind of this report and think hard about it then they would maybe try and virtue signal their way to Calling it something other than pumpkin spice or to say that our pumpkin spice lattes no longer new use nutmeg. We use clove or cinnamon instead. The issue is, is that when you're talking about the spice trades going back to the, you know, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th centuries, there was a lot of horrific shit that was happening in the name of getting these spices from these uh, lesser developed countries back to the first world in Europe and more specifically in the UK. Hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah,
0: of course it is. There, yeah, you said it, so it can't be wrong. There's there's a lot of bad history with everything in this world, and you could probably cancel anything if you really wanted to. And sadly, there are people out there who are seemingly trying to cancel everything.
1: It's happening less in 2023, I will say. I'm not sure what it was that kind of pushed this this ideology more into the background. But remember, we had a bit on our old radio show where we would talk about things getting 20 2018 2019 2020 it's hard to say 2023 now one because it doesn't roll off the tongue tongue as well but we don't have nearly as many as examples of things like this where it's trying to cherry pick moments from the past to get something completely canceled in the present
0: speaking of jumping the shark you talk about pumpkin spice being everywhere how about this pumpkin spice ammo at a gun store that you can now buy there you
1: go. I don't even I don't even know how that works. It's got to be a joke, right? I'm guessing that when you fire the gun, there's maybe some spice combination. <laughs> it just smells good. Powder. And the gunpowder, yeah, that causes it to smell like uh, like a pumpkin. Hmm. You eat? You just fired your bullet out of a pumpkin? Yeah,
0: I guess so. I don't know. if You eat the bullet or
1: something? The the casing after you shoot it is that
0: how it works? You can yep. smell that flavor.
1: Yeah, Jake, you're right. That does sound like an article out of The Onion. Sadly, it's not The Onion. It's maybe a a little bit more satirical. It's the Washington (laughs) Post.
0: What's the difference these days? I don't know. All right, coming up on one, I see Zay. We're still waiting for Chip here as uh, Chip and Zay are about to take you from one to three. This afternoon, it'll be you and Kevin Dunn with a little bit of Jeff Howe sprinkled in there coming up from three to five. So We're live. We're local for the next four hours right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Uh, Trey, real quick, maybe a word for our friends at Relax the Back before we uh, send things off to Chip and Zay.
1: Yep, I am dealing with a little bit of back discomfort right now. So as soon as this show is over, I am going to grab that S-curve that I bought at the Relax the Back store in Barton Creek Mall, I believe, back in the uh, the late 20-odds. I have been a Relax the Back customer for a long time now, going back just about 15 years started with the massage tools. It now includes furniture. This chair that I have in my office, my back would be in much worse shape if I didn't have such a great chair to sit in during this show. I will eventually get... That's stand-up desk, too, from Relax the Back. And I encourage you to find it out for yourself. See all the great stuff that they have to offer by going to relaxtheback.com. All there. You can also find that location nearest you. It is relaxtheback and relaxtheback.com. All right. I see the fellas in the waiting room. Let's
0: bring them on now. It's Chip Brown. It's Zay Collier. Gentlemen.